0: This episode of The Backdrop Untold Stories in Golf is brought to you by New Club Golf Society, a humble community of golfers connected by our love for the game. Follow us on social media with the handle New Club Golf. So, Doc, thanks again for, for joining us. You know, I, in the past, we've always introduced you uh, via your teachings with Zen Golf and the book that we gift all of our members, um, Zen Putting, many have picked up, and, and so many others. But today, I kind of want to chat to you for different reasons. Obviously, with the uh, uncertainty and uneasiness of of the times, I I thought uh, I thought of you, of someone to to chat with. You know, you being an expert in performance psychology, uh, applied mindfulness, uh, your background is just uh, just fascinating when it when it comes to that. I think it's certainly when you think about mindfulness, it's something we all need a little bit more of right now. So, um, you know, for for those that maybe don't know, can you give us some background on you know, how you got started in that arena and and where your career path kind of got going.
1: Sure uh, I'm happy to good to talk with you again as always Matt. Uh, it it really started um, I just remember I, w- I was always a questioner even as a teenager like you know uh, different traditions why do you have these rules what you know what's that about trying to understand um, both, both ordinary life and some kind of, um, sense of, of spirit. Then I, I went to Cornell and I, I was in engineering and I had a kind of epiphany and I said, you know, is this really what I want to be doing with my life? What am I really interested in? And, and asking myself that question, I came up with, you know, I do the, all these crazy things. I make the same mistakes over and over again. Uh, I do self-defeating things that when you know the way that I try to get what I want ends up very often getting me the opposite of what I want. What's going on at, for myself and and other people? So I said, "Well, that sounds like psychology." Um, and I I was in engineering at the time and and headed right over to the psych building and said. I want to change my, I had to change colleges from the College of Engineering to the College of Art and Science and, um, at Cornell. And they said, you know, why do you want to major in psychology? And I wrote down to find out why I want to major in psychology. <laughs> but <laughs> the, uh, um, what I like to tell people is I, I decided I wasn't going to be uh, inventing a cleaner running engine to reduce air pollution, but I could help people have cleaner running minds to reduce mental pollution. So Mm -hmm. so that that was really the start. Uh, Not long after that, I encountered um, the Eastern wisdom traditions. Keep in mind, this was 1969-1970. The Beatles were studying yoga with a Indian teacher. It, it was uh, and meditation with an Indian teacher. Um, so it was an opening and flourishing of uh, interest in Eastern wisdom traditions. And the, the first book I had, I, I started looking through it and it was a book on Buddhism. And I kept saying, uh, this makes sense, this makes sense, already think that, already think that, that makes sense, that makes sense, already think that, already think that. And at the end of the book, I said, huh, I'm a Buddhist and I didn't even know it. So that was really how I got involved in it. And then met, uh, took the opportunity to get instruction in mindfulness, meditation, and meet teachers um, in a variety of different traditions, Zen, um uh, the mainland, main—it's not mainland, but uh, it's called the Pure Land School, one one of the Chinese schools of Buddhism. But my real real connection was with the Tibetan Buddhist teachers, and that became the tradition that I devoted myself to. Well, strangely enough, for the last fifty years, I'm I'm going to turn seventy this year, and and I was turning twenty when I got in, involved in this. And it really uh, complemented the psychology side and, and actually gave me a deeper understanding of the mind. The Eastern wisdom understanding of the mind, uh, I felt, went way deeper and, and more fundamental. But Western psychology also provides uh, some techniques for, uh, for working with and implementing some of these practices. So blending the two together, to me, has been the most powerful thing. I finished my PhD in Western psychology and, and, and focused not on therapy, but on social psychology and, uh, interpersonal interactions. Um, so that, so that was really the, where my Western psychology training went and the Eastern psychology really, um, went to working with, again, personality styles and how we learn, how we perform, um, how we get in our own way, and how we get out of our own way. So it was a natural thing for, as you can, you probably heard me talk about, um, when I was teaching one of these Buddhist psychology programs, a golf, um, a, a young golf pro, he was just going to term, become a teaching pro he played uh, college golf at a major university and he came to want to learn about mindfulness meditation and the eastern approach to psychology we went out on a golf course he said tell me how my what my mind is doing on the golf course i said you're a teaching pro tell me you're going to be a teaching pro tell me what my body's doing and i'll tell you what your mind is doing <laughs> so he became my my golf coach and I became his mental game coach. And that's really how my, my mental game in golf practice uh, started. And And I accumulated over oh, 15 years of working with him all the elements uh, that became Zen Golf. Zen Golf was never intended to just be a golf book. In in fact, the publisher, the, the editor I was working with at the publishing house, when I sent in the manuscript, he said, you know, a um, bunch of your chapters don't mention golf. <laughs> I said, yeah, I know. I know it's, it's a life book, not just a golf book. You know, they said, yeah, we're, we're trying to sell a golf book. Could you add a paragraph about golf in, in those chapters? So, so if you read Zen Golf and you get to a chapter that goes through the whole thing and, the, and, and doesn't mention golf at all until the last paragraph and starts with, and in golf, then you know I, I added that in for the publisher. <laughs> so so that's really that that's really how it came about. 1975, I I became authorized as a mindfulness meditation teacher, um, taught at a school called uh, Naropa University in Boulder, Colorado, um, and have uh, spent the 1990s about half of each year in meditation retreats. So that's really where I amped up my practice. And interestingly, after I came out of those meditation retreats was when I had the first opportunity to teach golf at a higher level and work with tour pros within a year out of coming out of those um, meditation retreats. So it's been about uh, 22 years now that i've been teaching at golf at all levels but always and you know this very well when somebody says hey wait a minute this is about a lot more than golf isn't it i say you made the honor roll you go to the head of the class
0: yeah i I, the
1: um you know we'll, we'll link to our other
0: episodes with you where we really dive into some of your uh your practices on the golf course that you know like you're saying it really relates so heavily to our lives um, but there's, I, I oftentimes go back to those episodes we did together, Doc, to to help my own game and my own perspective. Um, but I, I do want to backtrack just a little bit. To you mentioned, you know, the the Eastern philosophies you started to explore, and I think there was one teacher in particular. I know the, the their practice is what you adopted. But um, and apologies for butchering the name, but I think it was Chogam Trunga. Was your teacher? <laughs> is that right?
1: Chugyam Trungpa, Trungpa, okay, and and Tibetan teachers usually, um, you know, highly regarded teachers are um, given the title Rinpoche, which m- just means uh, uh, precious one or uh, like a like a real gem. It, we, that's how we, we <laughs> in our vernacular would say he's that, it, that that is he is a gem. And ironic, and that's what the word means. It, 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 uh, in Tibetan, it means jewel. So, um, he, uh, his full name is Chukki Gyamso, and in Tibet, they combine those two. So, it's Gyam. And it means ocean of, of uh, true teachings, mm-hmm. or ocean of, uh, actually, it means ocean of profound teachings. True, that's an interesting thing. Truth from the buddhist point of view is an individual um, experience. It's what's true for you and um, uh, in an authentic way not what's true for you as far as um, your, you, you know, wishful thinking or distorted views but what's really true for your ultimate experience. Now, uh, as, a, as a teacher, um, that's part of the Tibetan Buddhist tradition. And there are, in, in that tradition, you start with working on yourself. And very often people say, well, you know, going to meditate, isn't that selfish? Um, you start with working on yourself, but it's always in a context and perspective. And that is to benefit others. That the purpose is not just for yourself, but to get yourself clear, so that you can be of more genuine benefit to others, and and that combination of of the what they call the two benefits for self and others, it, interdependently linked, is the main principle in the practice. Now, when I got involved in this, it was not the religious. Aspects that were uh, of interest. And, and the Buddhist tradition has appeared in many different cultures in aspects that reflect that culture. So it's not even the cultural part, it's the psychology that appealed, appealed to me. Um, and even one of my other Buddhist teachers um, said, Buddhism isn't a religion, it's the science of mind. From the, you know, really accomplished teachers they're not looking at it as a religion they're looking at it as a psychology and a way to understand and if you were to translate the word buddhism into english it would translate awakenism, because the the founder named siddhartha Gautama <coughs> was given the honorific title of buddha it's not a It's a title and it means one who has woken up, awakened, one who's awakened from the sleep of confusion and distorted views of things. It's that it's kind of that simple. So we all can wake up and we do, you know, we have moments when we're awake, you know, really, really awake and all the filters and all the ways in which we, um, see what we want to see and ignore what we <clears throat> don't want to see um, drop away and we have a moment of real clarity that is a selfless moment of clarity. And often in situations like this where there's um, uh, danger and, and people are, uh, are worried and in fear Moments happen where a lot of where people have that kind of clarity, and so the mindfulness practice is really about extending those moments of clarity and and bringing them in more ex- extending them and expanding them in your life so that your <laughs> our usual proportion of one percent clarity and ninety-nine percent confusion at least moves in a little a little direction. At least we can get five percent, maybe ten. Wouldn't that be great if we had twenty percent clarity and only eighty percent confusion? But that's that's the idea. It's not all or nothing. It's moving in that direction and having, instead of glimpses, moments, and then instead of moments, minutes, and hopefully you know, more than just a couple of minutes at a time. But that's what the practice is about. And, you know, um, a lot of what I've been offering to people, and I want to offer it to anybody who's listening to the podcast, if you would like some personal instruction in mindfulness beyond what I'm going to talk about today, just email me at info at com. And let me know, and I will try to set up a either I'm either going to do a like a, a a Facebook live or a, a YouTube or a Zoom cast, um, or or may have the opportunity to be able to give you a call personally. So include a phone number, and I'm and I'm happy to help people out for no at no cost. Um, I also do, you know. Um, more of my lessons through Facetime or Skype or you know tele tele calls, video calls, uh, and if people still want to have lessons to work on their mental game in golf and in business and in life, uh, I'm I'm putting everything at half price during this whole this whole crisis to make it workable for people. So I just wanted to let you know that, and you can um, let people know. Yeah. we'll, we'll link to the, to the links and everything in the
0: show notes and make sure people know that's, that's available to them, you know, for,
1: let me, let me say something about mindfulness and, and Mm -hmm. that is, it's really, really important right now, um, for two reasons. And, and that is, um, both to, to help calm people down, but also to help them see things more clearly. So to understand mindfulness, what mindfulness means is um, you are paying attention to what you're doing while you're doing it and knowing that that's what you're doing. The original Indian word for it is actually remembering what you're doing. Uh, think about, you, everybody's had this experience of a lack of mindfulness. You, uh, you're headed for the kitchen to get, or do something. You get distracted, get involved with something else. Then remember, oh yeah, I was headed to the kitchen. You walk in and you go, okay, why did I come in here? (laughs) There is, there is your moment of lack of mindfulness. In other words, you don't remember what you were doing. You lost track. So mindfulness is simply knowing what you're doing while you're doing it and knowing that you're, you are. Um, present to your full experience, both external, your perceptions, and internal, your thoughts and feelings. When, you, when and, and when you do this and work with your breathing, it calms you down. So I want to, we'll, during the session, I'll give some breathing practice to help people calm down. But the ultimate purpose is not just to be calm, but to be clear, when we calm the turbulence on the surface of a lake, when it becomes calm, two things happen. One, the surface reflects like a mirror. And two, you can see down through to the bottom. So, mindfulness is about developing clarity after things have calmed down. And that is Perfect for these times of chaos. My, my brother is on the faculty of the University of Michigan Medical School. Very high-ranking doctor. Just really smart guy. And he, I called him and he said, so are you suffering from PPD? And I said, what's that? He said, pandemic panic disorder. <laughs> and, and that is panic and going overboard about this, the whole thing. Now we don't want to downplay it, and I think that, that has that that some of our elected officials trying to downplay it and make it seem like it's not so serious um, have actually done harm in that way. But the other direction is also a problem. Uh as it as in one of my chapters in Zen Golf, you produce what you fear. So in fact, um People panicking and hoarding things produces shortages that wouldn't be there if they weren't afraid of shortages. <laughs> it, it, you produce what you fear. So, so we need to calm that sense of panic so we can see clearly and make more reasonable decisions. Once we calm down and we say, okay, is, is it really necessary have 40 rolls of toilet paper at home. You know what? If I run out of toilet paper, I can sacrifice one of my dish towels and use it and wash it out in detergent every time I use it. That's what people did before there was toilet paper. (laughs) You You have to be able to see and think clearly and understand that people can you know, farmers are still harvesting crops and growing, growing things uh, and sending them to market. So if we, and grocery stores are still open, pharmacies are still open, you, you don't have to panic and go crazy over things. So the first step is work with your breathing and move your energy down. Now, you, Do you want to talk about that now or did you have another question? No,
0: let's, let's go into it. I, I think I, it probably relates to what was on my mind, which is you know, I, I, since knowing you, Doc, I've um, started to make meditation a part of my routine. And, uh, and when I'm in a normal routine, I do it regularly and I, and I get that calm you're talking about um, that leads to more clear moments. And, and I benefit a lot from it. I, right now, I, I actually am uh, struggling a bit more. To to keep one, keep it routine. I, my life has become less routine, so that's been a challenge. Um, and then the other is just when I have been meditating, it, it my mind is uh, on a lot more than it was. You know, um, right.
1: which which is why we need to to do this. And I, I want to make clear for the listeners: people have all their own ideas about what meditation means, and usually they picture somebody sitting cross-legged, holding their hands in a funny way, and closing their eyes and going, oh, or some, you know. But mm-hmm. that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about simple mindfulness practice of working with your be- breathing to be more present. And the practice, as, as I've been taught and I teach it, has part with your eyes closed, but also part with your eyes open. So you're not trying to close your eyes and go deep inward and block everything out or go to some high astral plane and accept everything and and escape everything. What you're trying to do is accept who you are, what you are, where you are right now, and be more down to earth. Be more down to earth. And, and, you know, we've, we've done this for golf. There's a, an uh, exercise in Zen golf and a chapter called Center of Gravity. When we're stressed, our energy moves up in our body and faster. So it's as if our center of gravity, is, you know, our shoulders are by our ears, and it's as if our center of gravity is up in our head. But we want to breathe it down all the way down to where you feel the ground. And I have people do that in their pre-shot routine to get grounded, to get out of their head, into their body so they can see and feel rather than thinking about how they're swinging. So the the same idea is that you start your practice with grounding. Now, yes, of course, with all of the media stuff going on, our minds are spinning, and that's the speed part. So we need to slow it down. Breathe it down and get more grounded. Um, and really, that's what we're talking about here. So let's, let's not use the meditation word as much as the mindfulness, breathing and groundedness. OK, let's give it a start. All right. So we talked about the, the overall purpose to get calm and get clear. And you want to be able to pay better attention to what you're doing, and maintain that attention to what you're doing and being present for longer periods of time. Because if you go ruminating about the past, you create anxiety. If you're worried about the future, you create anxiety. So, um, as, uh, as I wrote in my Winnie the Pooh book, come back from the future or past to what I was just doing last. That's the way I know how to be here and now. So what we want to do is when our mind does wander into those thoughts, catch it more quickly and come back to here and now. That doesn't mean not to think. It means to know that you're thinking about things while you are, rather than your thoughts hooking you and taking you way, way out of it into some crazy conspiracy theories or crazy ideas about what you need to do to um you know, to bunker yourself for a year and a half. We we don't have to go there. One of the chapters in Zen Golf is called, You Are Not Your Thoughts. So we want to have some perspective on our own thoughts. You have thoughts, but you are not your thoughts. Your mind is bigger than that. So let's start with slowing down and getting more grounded. And what you want to do is find a comfortable place to sit where you can sit in in a position where breathing is easy. If you're slumped, it makes it hard. If If your chin is up and you're kind of spaced out, it makes it hard. So you want to sit up relatively straight, but comfortably. And let your eyes gently close. And be aware of your body, of your posture, what you're feeling. I'm going to give you a place to read some more about this, but we're going to just go through it briefly. So first, just feel what you're feeling. Be aware of your breathing. You can feel the breath coming in mainly through your nostrils. Ideally, through your nostrils, coming in, going back down the back of your throat and and filling your torso. And as your torso empties, it comes up and goes out. Just feel that breathing for a little bit. Feel how the air comes in, fills you. Feel how it goes out and empties. Empties and goes out. And now, check to check your posture for any unnecessary tension. You know, our jaw, our neck, our shoulders, sometimes our deep belly. We hold a lot of tension. So, just kind of scan. Check your check your your face and your jaw let it soften even if it means your lips parting for a little bit check your neck and shoulders let your let your shoulders just hang there like your spine is a tent pole and your shoulders and body and upper body are like like canvas before you pull the tent out let them just hang there off of your spine you need to have some tension to hold your posture upright But anything else, just let it soften, let it melt. Your chest and your back and your shoulders and your neck, upper arms, rib cage, lower back and belly. Boy, do we hold tension there that we don't realize it. Without losing your posture, just let it soften. Let everything just hang there. Hips and and thighs and forearms and hands and knees calves, ankles, and feet, your whole lower body, just let it relax. And now that we've, we've scanned and cleared any unnecessary tension, let your awareness drift down in your body. Usually we feel like our, our mind is up in our forehead, right behind our forehead because our eyes, ear, nose and mouth are right up there behind, you know, in, in, in our face. But let your awareness drift back and down, down past your throat, down past your chest, like a leaf gently settling to the bottom of a pond. Let your awareness drift down past your rib cage, and down past your navel to the deep core of your torso, a couple of inches below the navel, just in front of the spine. And if you let your awareness rest there, you can feel your lower torso expanding and contracting gently as you breathe. It's quiet down there. Just gentle, gentle movements like, like gentle currents at the bottom of that pond. And really let yourself sink down. Sink into the chair or cushion that you're sitting on. And imagine that your lower torso is merged with the earth. If you've ever been to the beach and half buried yourself in the sand, it's like you're part of the earth, but your upper torso extends majestically upward like a mountain. Being part of the earth is as grounded as you can be. So that's the first part of the practice, the grounding practice. And you do that for a few minutes. And Any thoughts that come while you're doing that, just let them come and go, like birds flying across the sky. If you find yourself taken away in thoughts, just go, oh, I was, that's daydream. It's like daydreaming. Back to feeling grounded. And the next step after you've done that for a few minutes is to open your eyes a little bit and just kind of look at the space that you're sitting in awareness of your body awareness of the space that you're sitting in and focus on what it feels like to take the breath in and fill your torso. And you don't want to manipulate your breath. Just be aware of it. You're more of an observer than a director. Let the breath come and go like the wind. However, long or short, deep or shallow, just be aware of what it feels like coming in through your nostrils, filling your torso. And then there's a change of direction, emptying from your torso and going out through your nostrils. You can focus on two different places. that that point of your nostrils with the breath coming in and out. And you'll find it interesting. Coming in, it feels cool and dry. Going out, it feels warm and moist. Or you can feel your deep belly filling. It feels like it's filling as the breath comes in, expanding as the breath comes in, and emptying as the breath goes out. So you just want to have that feeling of Coming in and filling, emptying and going out. And that's all you need to pay attention to, along with your posture. Now, as you do that, at some point your mind will probably wander into a daydream. It just takes a little flicker and a sequence of thoughts happen and suddenly you're gone. You know, you could be sitting there going, Ah, oh, this is very relaxing. This reminds me of that yoga class I took. I wonder what happened to that instructor. I thought she was really good. I think she moved to New York. I love New York. That play we saw. And suddenly you're in New York watching a play within five thoughts. That happens to everybody. Just have a sense of humor. When you realize that you, you're not with your body and breathing anymore, but off into a daydream, smile and go, ha, huh, Daydreaming. And come back to your posture, the feeling of filling and the feeling of emptying as the breath comes in and goes out. And that's really the main thing that you're going to be doing for this session. Maybe it's just a 10, 10 minutes and you do this for five or six minutes. If you only have five minutes, do it for two or three minutes. But the idea is to, that your breath is always happening in the present moment. And it's not something you have to do, it happens by itself. And it's not something that you need to control. Now, we want to be able to take this out into our environment. So after you've done that for a while, you then want to raise your gaze and look out to the environment. And be aware of your perceptions. So, for the next couple of minutes, you just notice what am I seeing? What am I hearing? What is my body feeling? And what thoughts are going by the screen on the screen of my mind? You might even have smells that you're noticing. Probably won't be tasting anything, but all of the sense perceptions. And you can let your mind move through any of the sense perceptions, what you're seeing, hearing, feeling, thinking, because all of them are happening in the present moment. Again, if those thoughts take you off into a daydream and you realize you're not there with your body and your breathing, just smile, make that little mental note daydreaming, and come back to the posture, the breath, and the environment. Now, at the end, if you want, you can close your eyes again, take a minute of doing more grounding, getting calm, and then get up and appreciate. And And what, one thing that we like to do at the end of the practice is is feel like we're doing this not just for ourselves, but for others. And at this time of crisis, that's really important. So what you want to do is say something like this, say, you know, the the... The mindfulness practice, the meditation, the calming, the clearing that I've just done may it not just be a benefit for me, but for others as well. And that sets your intention for the day to try to think of others as well as yourself. So that's that's simply the practice, those uh, three parts and the way that you close it. And you can start with the intention, say, I'm doing this Not just for myself, but for, so I can be there for others as well. Then grounding. Internal awareness of breathing. And then external awareness of environment. And then dedication of the benefit to others as well as yourself. I hope that's helpful. Now, do you have any questions?
0: Wow! Yeah, wow. No, uh, it it absolutely is, Doc. I feel uh, feel much calmer than I was about twenty minutes ago, <laughs> and I think you know what what was one thing I want to reiterate there that helped helped me is where where you shifted my perspective from uh, a stand I don't want to say standard, but a meditation practice as I have tried to include to just talking about uh, mindfulness, being grounded. And, and our breathing and and the other thing you know i I just wanted to share was the the outward look on others i I think part of why I've been you know struggling a, a bit more it's a bit more anxiety is I am thinking of those others, whether it be my parents who are you know in a at risk demographic or uh, my wife who works at a, a hospital. I think my thoughts are there with them, so I haven't been able to uh, calm as easily but this uh you've really shifted my perspective of you, the reason I'm doing it is for them is for those people is for everyone else who you know relies on us um to to be that that clear thoughtful person so uh thank yeah. you thank you for doing that
1: i hope that's helpful you know um let me make some comments about some of the some of these things um and and that is <clears throat> people may sit down and go oh my gosh, this is a flood of thoughts, this is making it even worse. Not really, it's just that um, you become aware of how busy your mind is. So again, have a sense of humor, be kind to yourself. This isn't making you think more, it's making you aware of how much you are thinking. And, and, And this is the clarity part, how many times do we think the same thing over and over and over again? Um, once you realize that, you start to have a sense of humor. Now, you may have patterns of thinking that you start to see that you don't particularly care for. In that case, first, you accept it. And second, you can use the techniques that, that I've taught in Zen Golf for, for change, and, and all my other books for changing habits and be able to say, you know what, I'm just going to notice how many times I do it with the intention that I'd like to do it less. And that's kind of a simplistic version of it. But but that's the idea. Now, <clears throat> let me talk about worry. Okay. Because uh, I address that a lot because, you know, golfers, we're, we're, we're often worriers. That, that tough hole that's coming up next or whether I can pull this shot off or not. So... Uh, in thinking of others and thinking of yourself, uh, there's an old Zen saying, if there's something you can do about it, then there's no need to worry. If there's nothing you can do about it, then there's no point to worry. So let's take the first part first. And and this kind of goes with uh, um, what they do in the 12-step program of the um, serenity prayer. Uh, the wis- you know, may I have the strength to accomplish or change what I can, may I have the serenity to accept what I can't control or change, and may I have the wisdom to know the difference. So the clarity part is knowing the difference. The calming part is the serenity and acceptance. And once you have that, then the action part is you've clarified what there is something you can actually do about things and do it. If you're worried about your uh, parents in, in the age demographic, communicate with them the best you can. And accept when they don't get it. <laughs> and, and that no matter how you say it, they don't quite understand it. But you say, well, I did my best. Um and for your wife who's in the healthcare that that's a very at-risk demographic and and a, and an essential person in taking care of others. So you do everything you can to support her and minimize her stress at home because stress is an indicator of immune system um danger. If you are under stress, your immune system is not functioning optimally. And that's the other thing that this practice will do. It'll actually boost your immune system to do this calming and mindfulness practice. There are studies that have shown that. That it, it strengthens your immune system because stress and anxiety, again, you produce what you fear. The stress and anxiety about whether you're going to get sick make you sick. So if there's something you can do about it, do it. And make a plan to do it. And set, and give yourself that, you know, we have a lot of things that we can do right now because a lot of us can't go to work. So find things that you can do that can help ease your mind. But what you can't do, you have to let go and accept. Um Another thing, try not to complain. Again, complaining brings your whole energy down and isn't good for you. And it isn't good for anybody else around you. It just bring, brings the whole situation down, you know. Mwah, mwah. Every moi. Debbie Downer on that one, okay. <laughs> so, so it's really, really important to not complain. Um, that's actually
0: something, Doc. I I remember you you sharing either in the book or or uh, talking to you one time, and I I writ, wrote it down before, uh, especially an important tournament. And I think the quote was, "Don't complain dot 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 about every
1: anything dot dot dot, not even to yourself." That's right, and that's <laughs> from my my one of my main teachers, who was the American student of Chugyam Trungpa of of uh, my main Tibetan teacher. And that's somebody asked him, you know, say, you know, I find I'm, I'm whining and complaining all the time. What should I do? And he gave her these three things. Don't complain about anything. Not even to yourself. Um, not so easy, but so helpful. So yeah, helpful. So, helpful. so helpful. understand we want to work with our breathing. And you can do this not just sitting still for five or ten minutes at any point during the day. Take a time out. In, uh, in Japan, uh, at random times in the, in the monasteries or in the, in the meditation um, centers in the dojo, in Japan it's called dojos, um, they have somebody who rings a gong at random times through the day, not just every hour. And when you hear the bell... Everything's, everybody's to stop and take 10 breaths. Now, maybe we can only take one or two or three, but if you pull up in, if you pull up to a red light, don't check your texts. Just, just stop. <laughs> There was, a, there was some comedy thing in, in California. It's almost like it's a law. You know, if you're at a red light, you have to check your texts. So, but but um, instead of doing that, you pull up to a red light, put your foot on the brake, leave your eyes open, looking at the light, do your breathing. Your eyes are open, but you're aware of how you're feeling. Do your breathing. Move your energy down. Ground yourself in the driver's seat or the passenger seat, or the back seat, but just breathe it down and calm down. Use that opportunity. When the phone rings, take one, two, maybe even three breaths before you answer it. Use these signals that we hit every day. Instead of an anxiety producer, flip it and use it as a mindfulness and relaxation producer. You can change your habits that way. And, you know, um, about what you can control and what you can't, there's a chapter in Zen golf, again, a saying from my teacher, you can't stop the waves, but you can learn to surf. And and know that all things must pass. These things will come and go. So, um it's, it, you know, you, you have all this worry about the future. Um, we don't know what it's going to bring. But we can, we will create the future based on our attitude. And if it's an attitude of fearfulness and selfishness and anxiety, then you're going to produce more of that. And if it's uh, awareness uh, interdependence, caring for ourselves and others, then that's going to produce health, produce healthiness.
0: It's a powerful message, Doc. It's, a, I think, um, you know, what, what we need to hear, what, what's been definitely helpful for me, at least, and I, and I think others will find the same.
1: Um, great. We,
0: I, I, I did want to, uh, to, to ask you one, one thing about, um, you know, isolation. Obviously, we're both in states where it's stay-at-home orders, and we can go out and get our exercise. But they do, you know, government orders or stay home. Um, you know, in the in this time of isolation, it, is there anything you've done to just help with connection to maybe your your friends, your students? You know, I, I think our golf societies finding new ways. We, we'd all love to be at the golf course together, or. You know, next week is supposed to be our our spring kickoff, our mm-hmm. first spring. We call it the spring meeting, and that's not happening. So, ha- have you found other ways to uh, keep that connection uh, real and and happening for you?
1: Yeah, very much like what we're doing, um, video conferencing. We the the um, the positive of our um, social media and 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 internet situation is. It, I, I mean, I do more of my lessons uh, before this. I already did more of my lessons by um, video call <clears throat> than in person. So uh, it's like being in the same room with someone to do FaceTime or Skype or Zoom or whatever the, the Google one. You know, there are so many different ways of doing that and Facebook Live and things like that. And what I'm. Uh, hoping to do, I, I have to uh, get permission from uh, the Walt Disney Company for this. But uh, I, what I want to do is, and and I'll I'll keep you posted on this, so you can let new club members and and anybody else who's listening to your podcast know about this. But I wrote a book called A Walk in the Wood. I wrote it with my sister, designed by my wife. Um, a Walk in the Wood. Meditations on Mindfulness with a Bear Named Pooh. Disney had asked us to write a book. Disney Company had asked us to write a book, teaching mindfulness and kindness and family values, using and an appreciation of nature using Winnie the Pooh and friends. So, it's sixteen stories in the a day in the life of Winnie the Pooh. Um, following each story is a, a section. On, that teaches a mindfulness or kindness or confidence or gratitude meditation. Each chapter, each story. So what I'm hoping to do is either through YouTube or Facebook Live or, or Zoom um, to do readings so that people who are at home with their kids Kids of all ages, this is for kids of all ages. I mean, who doesn't love Winnie the Pooh? Um, To be able to read to them and to share the mindfulness and kindness practices with them. And and I'm hoping to do like one a day for the 16 days um, starting sometime this week. So I'll, I'll keep you posted on how we're going to do that. But uh, if you are at home and with your kids, uh, it's available on Kindle and on audiobook. I read the, the audiobook and did all the characters um, and, and the hardcover. But it's called A Walk in the Wood, Meditations on Mindfulness with a Bear Named Pooh. And they are great lessons and meditations that you can share with your kids and do together. So it's really something that will help for all the homeschooling that needs to be done. Yeah, that's
0: that's keep us updated on that. We'll definitely want to share that with our folks who, like you said, big kids and and little kids. Everyone can benefit and from that. They
1: can start. They can start now. Just get it on Kindle or or, Aud- or Audible, and they can get it instantly, um, or whatever you know, online. The digital, or, uh, the ebook, and the and the um, audio version, and start themselves. Don't wait for me, but start themselves. But I will also be on and and commenting on the meditations.
0: Well, before I do let you go, um, I'm sure there's uh, plenty else to to get to and folks that that you're going to help out during this time, just like you helped Mm us. Um, I did want to share some good news from our uh, member community, and one of our, our newer members who received Zen Golf as a gift, um, really got into the book and uh, started to his story's unique, like all of ours are. And uh, he gave up the game of golf for quite a while, uh, got back into it, and it was so foreign to him. He felt like he was completely learning a new game, like those, those years ago didn't exist, and he had to start from scratch. Um, and and he was, you know, not. Posting numbers obviously that were to his liking and and str- struggling with those elements of playing with others who have been playing for so long and uh, and so he he read the book I think multiple times and uh, joined some of our members on a trip uh, pre quarantine to uh, to San Antonio and uh, they're all out there and he implemented one of your practices in the book, which is set your own par uh, mm-hmm. so- so his par became, uh, I believe it was a double bogey on each hole. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he just, he said it was his, his favorite round of golf he's ever played. He was, uh, you know, making his own birdies. He was making his own, uh, his own pars. And, mm-hmm. and he was able to play out there with, you know, there was some scratch golfers in the group. There was five handicaps in the group. It was all different skill sets. And he was having a blast. Um, he even, and it's video documented, uh, he made his his first par ever, uh, which should, which could have been his first birdie ever, uh, and he didn't even realize that it was a, a par at the time because he thought he was putting for his own eagle.
1: So oh, that's funny.
0: <laughs> so I just I just wanted to share that with you. Uh, Eddie Bacho is probably listening. He he has been um, a really special part of our community, and uh, and, and you know you're touching folks in, in in all kinds of ways, Doc. So we just wanted to thank you for your uh, your mindfulness, for your kindness and uh and
1: and everything you do thanks matt great to be connected with you and all the new club golfers